This is the Morning Sports Desk for Tuesday, March 28th. Okay, Corey. So I think that we just need to address maybe... Uh, I think we just need to address really uh, the, the elephant in the room, if you will. Okay. Okay. Uh, it, it's uh, just... I, I got two words for you. Okay. Wolves back, Corey. Yeah, they won their fourth in a row. Really nice win over Sacramento, 119-115 yesterday. Yeah, and it's their second win, uh, or it's their uh, fourth win in a row. They won on the second night of a back-to-back on the road against two playoff teams in Golden State and Sacramento. And now they have a chance to go for the trifecta in their Western road trip when they play Phoenix tomorrow night. But... Corey, this Wolves team, we've talked about it throughout the season. They have not gelled, but this Wolves team is kind of finding their niche, finding their identity at the exact right time. In a in a very strange way, you know who Dane Moore is, right? Yeah. Dane Moore uh, on Twitter, he's like a Timberwolves guy, okay? Um, he's He put out a tweet yesterday I thought was very telling, not only about how impressive this Timberwolves run has been, but how they're doing it without the likes, really, of Carl, mm-hmm. without Ant, um, without necessarily Gobert, even though we can get to Gobert. I'll let you talk, talk about Gobert in a second. But these are the leading scorers for their last six games, okay? Mike Connolly had 28 points. Uh-huh. Nas Reed, 22. Nas Torian Reed. Prince, 35. Nas Reed, 26. Nas Reed, 23. Jaden McDaniels last night had 20. And he finishes off the tweet with weirdest team ever. Speaking of Jaden McDaniels, by the way. Wolves taking the time. Edwards matched up with Bunk. Penetrating. Kicks it out. Extra pass. McDaniels. Sky! A monster dunk for Jaden McDaniels. He, I, I like, I saw his arm go all the way back, and I was like, oh, he's gonna slam this thing home. His Jaden McDaniels' arms are so long. Yeah, yeah. He's a really great defender. Uh, Jaden McDaniels has been awesome for this Wolves team. But you're right, Corey. It's been a different scorer every night who has contributed for this Wolves team, and I think that's been better. I don't know if it was Dane Moore or if it was some other, uh, maybe it was Jace Frederick who uh, covers the Wolves for the Pioneer Press. Uh, He said, this team, there's no hierarchy of who needs to be scoring points or who needs to be doing whatever. It's just guys f- doing Chris Finch's offense. Right. And it's guys who would just, there's a plan, they have an identity, and they're really starting to play within that identity. And they won this game last night. Torian Prince was hurt, and he usually is a big help off the bench for the Wolves when healthy. They've missed him when he's been gone but not last night. Carl Anthony Towns sat out the second game just to kind of slowly ramp himself back up so he can hit the ground running for the playoffs. And Anthony Edwards had a nice game, but had a slow start. And like you said, was not the leading scorer for the Wolves last night. They've been getting contributions. And we've talked about it coming into the season. This is the deepest Wolves team we've seen in a while. And we're really seeing that now come to full fruition. Kyle Anderson has also been just a huge bump. I can go down the line of guys who have been awesome. So I want to I want to throw one name out there, one thing at you, and um, 
just to see where we stand, or it's something I think to think about the rest of this season. Um, and that is, where does the Mike Connolly trade? Sure. Where does that fall in in like all time Timberwolves stuff? Because they have been a different team since he put on a Timberwolves jersey. There's there is nothing you can pinpoint more than a turnaround, I think, than trading D'Angelo Russell and putting Mike Conley in a Timberwolves uniform. But, Corey, I was reliably informed by angry D'Angelo Russell fans and the national media that the Wolves got fleeced. How, how can this be? Uh, they did not get as good of an individual player. Yeah. Uh, that's that's true. They got a much better team player. I it'll, it's just going to be fascinating when it's all said and done. And I'm even I'm I'm serious. Like this is this is turning into such an important piece um, for this from the like actual how you play basketball mm-hmm. aspect to the more holistic, just having an adult in the room kind of a situation. Well, and the adult in the room situation is important. And again, I'm a, I'm a D'Lo critic for a lot of reasons. but the And it's not even a detriment against D'Lo. I just think that Mike Conley's just one of the... He's a savvy vet. A good mix of youngsters with... He's a, a ton- wily lefty. Yeah. A good mix <laughs> of, of uh, talented youngsters and savvy vets makes for a really, really good basketball team. And that's what the Timberwolves have. And they were missing that savvy vet. Even last year, I love Pat Bev. He's a vet. And he provided the Wolves with swagger and bravado. But he was not a savvy vet, I think is the right way to term that. He was not savvy. That's yeah. true. Mike Conley is a savvy vet. He just knows what to do. The Wolves have played their two best fourth quarters, I think, in the last five years since they've been relevant again. And Mike Conley's been a part of both of them. Good shot selection, doesn't turn the ball over. This Wolves offense, their floor spacing has been amazing in the last month. Since they've really started to hit their stride, they know... They've been spacing the floor. They move. They make the extra pass. That dunk, that clip of that dunk we just played from uh, Jaden McDaniels, it started with a skip pass by Ant to get it to Kyle Anderson in the corner, and then he goes up to the wing to give it to McDaniels, who then can take it down through the lane. Like the extra passing, the good shot selection, the good. The Wolves played a really good defensive game against a high-scoring Sacramento team, only giving up 115 points. I, I, I don't know. I, the vibes are really good right now for and, the Timberwolves. And it's important, I think, to note with the Timberwolves, what's the difference between this four-game winning streak at this point in the season and other points in the season? Because they've done this, yeah. right? They've done yes. this all year where they've had four, but then they'd followed up with four or five straight losses. Or they, they would have a strong two weeks and then they'd have a weak two weeks, whatever. What's the difference? Well, the difference is over their final eight games – they had three that are um, would be considered difficult on anybody's schedule, mm-hmm. and um, they've beaten two of them. They beat Golden State. They now beat Sacramento. Phoenix is next, and that is another tough one on the schedule, but it gets significantly easier. The load gets significantly lighter to yeah. close out the season. So this is one of those... You talk to high school coaches, you talk whoever, you want to be playing your best basketball at the end of the season. Yeah. And the Timberwolves are playing their best basketball at the end of the season, and 
they're getting their players back at just the exact right time too. So that's the difference between what's happening now and what was happening even a month ago, two months ago, beginning of the season. Yeah, and also, by the way, uh, the Wolves are sitting at the sixth seed in the standings because they have the tiebreaker over the Golden State Warriors. So the Wolves are sitting at the sixth seed right now. They're playing Phoenix on Wednesday night. So tomorrow night, Phoenix is the four seed, and the Wolves are two games back of them. I think they're a game uh, behind the Clippers for that five seed. Avoid If the Wolves could somehow, with all the chaos that's been this season, somehow avoid the play-in tournament and get themselves a full series, just be uh, a really great turnaround on their part. Also a testament to how weird the West has been this year, but I think uh, I think that's really it on the Wolves because there's another Minnesota team that is red hot right now. By Seattle early on, what else do you want to see from them as they turn it over and Boldy? Oh man! Matt Boldy, the Wild's top prospect over the last few years post Kirill Kaprizov joining the NHL club. And there have been bits and pieces of Matt Boldy kind of breaking through in the NHL. But ever since Kaprizov has gone down, Corey, Matt Boldy has two different nights where he's had three-plus goals. Uh, Just talk about a guy really coming into his own. There has been a really funny thing that happens. So every single morning, uh, just a little behind the scenes, right? We mm-hmm. have we have like write ups that come through on our state sports. Yes, and most of these write ups they start with um, a score and the featured player. Yeah. So, um, you know, we talk about the Timberwolves and and how they got the win. And oh look, Jaden McDaniels is mentioned right away. He led the attack with twenty points. Oh, the Minnesota Wild get a win over Seattle 5-1, to one, but a hat trick from Matt Boldy. If this is five games in a row where the Wild story has started with Matt Boldy, and it is in, he's the best player in the world right now. <laughs> like for the last five, six games, something like that, what he's doing is insane. It's insane. And by the way, not only have the Wild, since losing their star player in Kaprizov, have not missed a beat, They are actually getting, uh, better is maybe the wrong word, but their record and their points just keep going up. The Wild are in first place right now in the Central Division, which, go back two months ago, if we were talking, if you would have said on March 28th the Wild are in first place, we would not have believed you. They were playing good hockey after the All-Star break. Yes. Kirill Kaprizov was playing good hockey. And what we associated their the team's good hockey was Kirill was coming into form. It was like, oh, here they go. And then he gets hurt, and you're like, ah. They're going to limp into the playoffs. That's, and- the, that's the needle into the balloon, right? The balloons pop. And what has happened is it has um, it just emboldened the rest of the team to play good hockey. It was Kirill was the was the you know on the top of that pyramid, but um everyone else is playing pretty good and now they're getting to show it 
pretty yeah. good. That's pretty good English too, isn't it? That, it's it's uh, you know me fail English. That's improbable. <laughs> that's impopable. It's uh, really fun. It's really fun. The both of these teams right now to be playing like this in the Timberwolves and the Wild. It's cool to have it happening at the same time. So are we gonna? Is the parade going to? Are they going to be on the same day? The championship parades for the Wolves and Wild. I mean, you don't want to gum up the parking for two days in the metropolitan area. So why not? You right? might as well have one big party where the river burns or something like that. Yeah. Meet at the Mississippi. That's meet, what we'll come. Meet at the Mississippi. That'd be so cool. Let's, hashtag it. Hashtag it. Let's print the shirts. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, Corey, just a couple more days until opening day. So we talked yesterday about kind of teasing this segment, three things that need to happen for the Minnesota Twins to have a successful season. Corey, I'm going to let you go first. All right, this is uh, this is very straightforward. These are three storylines, uh, 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 individual things, just some uh, maybe personal things that I look will look forward to in this Twins season that I think will help determine the success or failure of this Minnesota Twins season. Okay, and the first one is been the first one, has been the first one for however long he's been on the roster. Um, but you can also include um, the reacquired star shortstop in this. Um, the Buxton Correa combo needs to be a healthy and b dynamic. Yeah. That's that to me is the A one story. Buxton's health and abilities, and Correa's health and abilities, they need to be bona fide this season, and they need to be unified. Like Buxton played elite, and Correa started the season very slow, and then by the time Buxton wore down because of injuries, Correa had a really nice second half of the season. So to get them to be in lockstep at the same time, very important. The second thing on my list, CJ, is. Uh, the talk about depth with this Twins team this year has been the focus of like Twins talk, whether it's on social media or wherever. And I agree that depth is important. The part that I think is misunderstood a little bit is depth. Uh, if the top end of that talent isn't that good, I don't care how deep you are. Like, you can be, we're polluted with with C minus players. Look how deep we are. Who cares? That doesn't do you any good. Yeah. So, especially when it comes to the starting pitching staff, um, I desperately need to see Pablo Lopez and or Joe Ryan establish themselves as a legitimate ace um, and a one-two punch in the starting rotation. Because if they're not that... If they are at best a two-starter in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter what Buxton and Correa do. Yeah. As the Twins have learned in recent years, you do need some guys who can prevent the other team from scoring runs if you want to win in the postseason, which has been a big uh, a big issue for them. So my three things for the Twins this season, uh, number one is just health. I mean, that's just the thing that they're going to need because last year they didn't have it. And I said, well, last year was kind of fluky. Maybe this year things have changed. Well, Polanco and Kirilov have already, uh, are already going to start the year on the, on the injured list. So that's going to, they're going to have to overcome that already. Cause like you said, Corey, you talk about depth, but at the same time, you do need those higher end guys to contribute. And secondly, I'm going to need 
Jose Miranda to put his production through an entire season because he wore down by late August, September. He wasn't the same player. But if I can get that June through August, Jose Miranda, things are going to go really well. And then also that implies guys like Alex Kirilov and or Trevor Larnick fully immersing themselves as big league ball players. And again, they haven't been healthy enough to do that, but they need to be able to to hop in. Trevor Larnack is my third story. I just I'm irrationally in love with him as a baseball player. I need him to do good things. He mashes the baseball. Hit one over the batter's eye in spring training uh, the other day. He'll likely make the club as the opening day left fielder. And then I think what the Twins need to do is they need to figure out their pitching plan to have a successful season. So the starters are going to go longer into games. That's just going to happen. The Twins have a better starting rotation, and they learned last year that they can't do that with the bullpen that they had, which is largely the same outside of a couple guys coming back from injury. But uh, I think with the bullpen, they're going to need to figure out that hierarchy, and they're going to need to figure out which guys deserve playing time and which guys do not deserve the, that high leverage innings. The Twins rode with Emilio Pagan way, way too much, and then they brought him back for $3 million. So they're going to need to figure out some kind of plan with the pitching. So health and then emergence of some young players, of their young stars, and then also to have a good bullpen. Because I think the starting rotation is going to be good, and I think the Twins' top part of the bullpen is good with Thielbar and with Duran, but... At the same time, Theobar and Duran can't pitch out of the bullpen every single day, and they can't pitch multiple innings every day. So you're going to need to find out some kind of plan outside of them to get some production. I think Jorge Alcala is a guy who can step up. I think Griffin Jacks should profile again as a better reliever. Giovanni Moran is a lefty out of the uh, who's likely going to make the club out of spring training, who I think can take a step up and be a really useful left-handed arm for the Twins. So again, those are the three things I think the Twins need to do to have a successful season. This has been the Morning Sports Desk for Tuesday, March 28th.